Here we are, locked on NFL alongside the scout, Matt Williams, and I am Brian Peacock. We're taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got to break down some of those primetime football games. Sunday Night Football is having a massive impact on that uh, NFC playoff picture. Another blowout win for the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. And the league is starting to shuffle things up with some player movement. Two trades already happening. Maybe some other trades that are in the mix as well that we will get to on today's show. You can subscribe to this program on all of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We are everywhere, as are all the shows here on the network. And you can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can find Matt at WilliamsonNFL. Matt, let's start with Monday Night Football and just a complete route of the New York Jets and domination again from that New England Patriots defense. Uh, The final score there being 30, and I'm sure a lot of people turned off the game. So if you did turn off that game sometime uh, in the first quarter when it was 17-0, it turned out to be 33-0 a Patriots over the Jets. Yeah, and let's start with the Patriots. I mean, wow. I mean, they're such a juggernaut right now on the defensive side of the ball in particular. Really playing well. I mean, their their discrepancy in point differential is insane. I mean, I don't know if you caught that at the very end of the of the broadcast last night. It's the best point differential since 1920 at this stage of the season in terms of you know points scored minus points allowed, just blowing the doors off everybody, and with the exception of the Bills, but still winning. They're basically on the the back of the defense, not that the offense was bad or but I, I tweeted in the third quarter, like this game feels like it's a hundred to nothing. I mean, it's not the slightest bit competitive. The score should be even worse. And from the Jets perspective, I know everyone's selling stock in Sam Darnold now. He's a bum. What are you doing? <laughs> you know <laughs> I heard people tweeting Anybody blaming the Giants for taking Saquon over Darnold now? You know, like, it was a horrific, horrific game. But I have not wavered one bit. I mean, I would gladly build my team around Sam Darnold. Um, Booger pointed out some good things, too. Him and especially the line really struggling to pick up blitzes, adjust protections accordingly. And then they had him mic'd up, and he's seeing ghosts, and he sure was, and throwing off his back foot, and not playing in balance, not playing at all in rhythm. Horrific, but uh, chill. You know what I mean? I'm not worried about Darnold. Yeah, the development path for quarterbacks is not linear, and everyone was crowning him last week after he comes back from mono, throws four touchdowns. This week throws four interceptions against the Patriots, and uh, you're right. It's the way they were blitzing him and, and those zero blitzes, and there was no safety help, and the Patriots weren't worried about it. And that was obviously the plan from Bill Belichick. He saw, okay, here this young quarterback let's just go after him make him make quick decisions and just get people in his face and he was dropping back even when guys weren't there and it was just a bad situation all night for Darnold and even early in the game he had only thrown four passes or something like that and I think two of them were interceptions and it was just not going right from the start threw some more in the second half and really just could never get it going there four picks for Darnold 11 of 32 passing 86 yards uh, he was only actually sacked one time, so he got the ball out a lot, but he left it up in the air, left it over his receivers, left it in the arms of Patriots defenders. His QBR was 0.7, according to ESPN, and his quarterback rating 3.6 
on the day. So obviously a terrible start for Sam Darnold, a bad look for the New York Jets getting crushed by the Patriots there. But I agree. I don't think you should overreact to last week's Darnold or this week's Darnold and just know that this is a young developing quarterback. And I mean, you, just, you can't take... You can't take everything away from this game and be like, oh, this is Darnold. Okay, he's the worst quarterback ever. Right, right. I mean, the Patriots are doing this to everybody, and I even said this around week two. I think this is the best defense Belichick's ever had with the Patriots. I mean, they're so hard to play against with all their blitzing and man coverage, and their secondary so strong, and we know the guy you know with the, that's holding the strings is the best that's probably ever done it. Um, it, it, back to Darnold, though. I am a believer. I just said all good things about him, even though this was a dreadful performance. But the the knocks on him are risk taker. Um, will throw ones he shouldn't. You know, sometimes off platform. Sometimes too much hero ball. Too much Superman stuff. And that was sort of evident to say the least, too. I mean, there's a little bit of Jameis Winston in him. Right. And there was some of that in college, too. So that's, yeah. you know, that's definitely in his blood a little bit there. But, you know, he still has to develop. And it was tough missing a few weeks to start the season there. Is Adam Gase the guy to help him develop? Uh, that's going to be an interesting um, conversation, I think, for the New York Jets going forward. But don't expect this Darnold to be the guy you see every week. And don't necessarily think that he's going to be the savior of the Jets single-handedly either and be the guy who throws four touchdown passes like he did the week before. So... Work in progress for Sam Darnold, and the Patriots' defense is just stupid good, and uh, they're going to yeah. be a problem for teams. And right now, the 49ers and Patriots' defenses, both the, the only unbeaten beaten teams left in the NFL, both those defenses on historic runs as far as what they're doing to opposing teams and passing yards allowed and things like that. Uh, both teams, though, especially the 49ers, things get a little bit more difficult. So I don't know if their defenses are going to look that great. And uh, with the 49ers on their side, Helped out by that mud bowl, too. So some skewed stats still, I think, for both the Patriots and 49ers defenses, even though they're both legit. 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, the Patriot defense to me is clearly the best in the league, though. And a lot of it's just coaching and scheme and ability to switch it up week to week and versatile players like Van Noy and Hightower. And this week you're going to do this. This week you're going to do that, you know. Um, I think the Niners are more talented. You know, like if I just had to pick players, I'd end up with more Niners on my squad than Patriots. But the guy that's, you know, holding the strings is just so good. And the Patriots did get a little bit more talented on the offensive side of the ball. We'll talk about that trade. And speaking of oh, Sam yeah. Darnold, the team he threw four touchdown passes against last week in, in a really big game for his career against the Dallas Cowboys. They were on Sunday night football. We've still got to break down Cowboys and Eagles and how we feel about that division. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Make yourself a little cash with my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.com. A.G. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. 
Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. So let's talk Sunday night football really quick here. The Eagles went to Dallas and the Cowboys won big in this one, 37 to 10, and now have a somewhat commanding lead, I guess, in the NFC East at just the, the record of four and three is plenty good when you've got the Eagles, the next best at three and four, and you're still dealing with the New York Giants in that division. And uh, really, it's become the Dallas Cowboys division to lose now in the East, right? Yes. I mean, certainly as we sit here in late October, huge, huge win for them, of course. I mean, I don't think anyone thinks the Giants or Redskins are even in it. So it's going to come down to these two teams. The Eagles, I'm a huge, huge Wentz guy, and I'm not taking it to the Darnold level, but this wasn't his best day, and he he played a little bit of hero ball too. And they're really hurting for team speed on offense, and they really need Deshaun Jackson back. Um, what It was not their best day, Wentz's best day, even if they would have had Jackson. But I'm not super worried about the offense big picture, especially, you know, if they can add a little bit of speed when he returns to stretch the field and open up, you know, Goddard and Alshon and Ertz and those guys in a running game a little bit. And again, I'm a big Wentz fan and think he's had a great year before that game. But Dallas, super impressive. But this is going to be kind of a backhanded compliment. When they're healthy and they have their guys, they can hang with anybody. And why that's backhanded is when they don't have Tyron Smith, they don't help his replacement and Adrian Claiborne get six sacks. When they don't have Amari Cooper, nothing gels. You know what I mean? Like, they have really good players. And say what you want about the Joneses, they've done an excellent job with this roster. And, like, the majority of that defense is all homegrown. You know, the, the trades they've made have worked out. They've got st- Hall of Fame lineman, Dax, a really good player. So when they're right, they have a really good 11 on the field all the time. When they're not, I think the coach gets exposed a little bit, and then they're in trouble. So they're humming right now, and they're healthy right now. They're really a tough team, but hopefully it doesn't get sideways on them. Yeah, and it's so difficult with the Cowboys because you see them in the first half against the worst team in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, and it looks like, oh man, the Dolphins are going to knock the Cowboys off. What's going on here? And then last week, you see the Jets go in and beat 
the Cowboys. And Sam Darnold yeah. throws four interceptions. We saw how Sam Darnold, how bad he looked against the Patriots this week. So uh, I think one of the big keys, and you mentioned his name, is Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper didn't play last week. And even seeing uh, a not 100% healthy Amari Cooper, how much difference does he make to that Cowboys offense? It's amazing when he's in there and when oh. he's not in there. And he's not even 100% right now, and it's night and day. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I think he's played, don't quote me, but about 16 games with the Cowboys now, you know, considering when yes. he got traded from Oakland. And, boy, his his Oakland career was impressive. He was a great prospect coming out of Alabama, but it was highly inconsistent in Oakland. You know, he'd have the, the, a game on prime time where he goes for 200, and then the next week it's three catches for, you know, 38 yards or something. So he was very up and down. But, boy, since he's been in a Cowboy uniform, and maybe getting out of Oakland helps considering some of the teams he was with, yep. he has been a consistent star. I mean, like if we were – maybe we'll do this. I mean, I'm sure we'll do these kind of things in the offseason, but how many receivers in the league right now would you trade Amari Cooper straight up for? It's a pretty short list. Yeah, there's there's not very many. And when he's healthy, it's it, that's, I think, the biggest thing you can – say about a player is when you take him out of a team's lineup and they are completely a different football team, uh, that's probably the best compliment you can give someone like Amari Cooper right now. And when it comes to the Cowboys, they've been sort of Jekyll and Hyde so far this season. They jump out to a 3-0 and start. You think, oh, this is a great team, but those were the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins they face. They come back, they lose to the Saints, Packers, and Jets. And you think, oh man, maybe maybe this team's just mediocre and they stink. Then they beat their division rival Eagles. And so now I don't know what to think, but uh, we'll find out. They've got Vikings coming up. They've got the Patriots coming up that we will learn a lot about these teams. So, um, and actually that's pretty, that's a fun one. Because that's one of the most difficult games on the Patriots entire schedule this year is that Patriots-Cowboys yeah. matchup coming up in a few weeks, uh, November 24th. So we'll Let's find out about Eagles here for one second yeah, sure. too, because I kind of brushed over their defense is... Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, those guys are still great players, but they, they've suffered some injuries up front. They're not rushing the passer with four like they have in the past, and that's exactly what that defense is designed to do. You know, All their money is in their defensive front, and they're not getting their money's worth. They are a versatile run, but they aren't from a pass rush perspective. And, man, I mean, everyone knows the Eagles are really bad at corner right now. And even if they're 100% healthy, they're probably – just really bad, not dreadful at corner. But their linebacker play, I mean, they had some no-name dudes in there that are just getting steamrolled in the running game, can't keep up with anybody. Like, their whole back seven is bad. You know, you said something a minute ago about Wentz, and and I talked about Sam Darnold, about how quarterback development isn't linear, and it's one of the reasons you can't completely – kill Sam Darnold right now is because you still have guys like Dak Prescott when Amari Cooper's out and his weapons are out and he's playing a good team. He looks very mediocre. And even Carson Wentz, who is the number two overall pick in the draft, has all this talent, has looked like an MVP candidate at times. He has mediocre weeks when he goes on the road in a tough environment and doesn't have a lot of speed on the field. So I just that all goes to say it's I know it's a quarterback driven league, but it's not quarterback only in this league. You still need help. You need coaching. You need weapons so that's why you see a team like the new england patriots making a trade for more weapons even though they're already the best team potentially in the nfl right yep and i mean this is extreme because one's the best it's ever done it and one looks like he's 16 and sam darnold but booger <laughs> and those guys did a nice job of illustrating just 
how different Brady and Darnold were at the line of scrimmage too. And that should come as no surprise, but just to such people don't realize what a unbelievable advantage the Patriots have from that perspective of just orchestrating everything, knowing when the blitz is coming, getting your 10 guys all aware of what to pick up, you know, let's change this protection and Darnold swimming, you know, I mean, just getting plays, getting to the right play is a lot harder than you think. And Dak and Wentz, and these guys are still learning. Darnold is, you know, in phase two of 10. Brady's been doing, Brady's been a 10 for 10 years. That's a great point. Absolutely. Let's talk trade here because I think this is an important one that happened. And I think maybe the Patriots gave up a, a little much, or at least the maximum of yeah. what you could expect for the Falcons to get for a wide receiver like Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu going from the Atlanta Falcons for a second round pick to the New England Patriots. The Patriots. We had talked about it here on the show, how they definitely had needed something on offense, whether it be tight end or wide receiver, to uh, to add to the depth and add to the playmaking ability on offense there. Muhammad Sanu, definitely a New England Patriots-style player. I even thought Sanu could be a safety coming out of uh, Rutgers mm. because he was such a physical guy, and he would hit the heck out of you as a blocker on offense and, and just a physical presence. And so uh, I think he's a nice fit for the Patriots. Second round pick, though, if you're the Falcons and the Pats call or any team around the NFL calls and says, okay, 30-year-old wide receiver, you're going nowhere this year. Here's a second round pick. You you jump at that, right? Yeah, it, it didn't dawn on me till right now. As soon as you said Rutgers, I went, oh, Belichick, Rutgers. I mean, they love each other. Right, I mean, that's like yeah. his, that's his spot. I didn't think about man. that. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure this pick will be somewhere between 60 and 62. You know, it's just the Patriots' second round pick. But still, to your original point, Yay for the Falcons. I mean, you're getting a, the, the 60th, the 62nd pick in the draft for this guy at his age where you're at and you need everything on defense. That's a nice haul. But I bet, you know, the conversation was, hey, we'll give you a third. And they're like, well, I don't really want the 90th pick. You know I mean? Like, you guys are going to be pretty – it's going to be a really late pick. So, in a nutshell, a second seems like a lot. And, like I said, I think that's a home run for the Falcons. But – you know, you got to remember what team you're dealing with and how different the, you know, the, the picks are. And you can't do that with every team, but you certainly can with the Patriots. And you're right. I mean, this dude is, he's kind of, you know, everybody that plays fantasy, like you, you put the Sanu sticker on the board in the 12th round, nobody cares, blah, okay, <laughs> right. boring. You know, he's not exciting. But boy, going here, as physical as he is, he's going to help the run game. You know, those wham blocks and things like that. I think there's a lot of similarities between him and Nikhil Harry, who they used the 32nd pick on last year. Oh, yeah. Big physical slots after the catch. Um, he's a much different type of slot than, obviously, Edelman, Welker, Amendola, but he can also line up outside. They needed another weapon. They're, I think that they're searching for tight end replacements, and I think Harry and Sanu can be a little bit of Aaron Hernandez. That's a great point. Uh, that big slot that's almost like a tight end because he can mm -hmm. block for you and you can go three wide and you have an advantage in the run game as well as someone who can catch the ball and go over the middle and do the, the dirty stuff. And obviously, Sanu is not a wide receiver one or anything. The best year of his career was last year in Atlanta, and it was still 66 catches for 838 yards and four touchdowns. So he's never lit the league on fire, but has always been a really nice number two with Julio Jones. This guy throws the football really well. So here's an October 20-something prediction. <laughs> Sanu is going to attempt a pass in this Super Bowl. 
I love it. Yeah, former I mean, high school you know, quarterback. Trick I think. plays and the throwbacks, and you know he's they're going to use a lot of that kind of stuff from this guy. Oh, I maybe love even it. hand it to him here and there. You know, a little Nostradamus from Matt Williamson. Okay, that's going to be. <laughs> I got to remember this one. Okay, what day is it? it is uh, October twenty second? Okay, Super Bowl play call predictions. I love it. Okay, cool. Uh, when we come back, more trades and more potential trades around the NFL. This podcast is brought to you in part by Peloton. A limited time offer from Peloton. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. One of the angles here to this with the Mohamed Sanu trade is obviously Sanu in Atlanta, very familiar with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers offense. And Sanu was one of the players that people had talked about. Maybe the 49ers who are apparently looking for a wide receiver would be going after 49ers don't have a second round pick. So maybe that's where the 49ers had offered a third already. And Bill Belichick had to pony up the second round pick or he wasn't going to get someone like Mohamed Sanu. And then this just came down from Jason Lockenfora, he said, I expect the 49ers to end up with Emmanuel Sanders in the next week. They were very much in on Sanu, really want to add a pass catcher. So there's an interesting one. And obviously, last year's quarterbacks coach for the 49ers and Rich Scangarello, he is now the offensive coordinator in Denver. And those front offices know each other well with John Lynch connection and stuff like that. So uh, that's a trade I could definitely see happening for the 49ers. And Sanders is a guy who should know the terminology and know at least somewhat of what's going on in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, and I want to get your reactions, obviously, because it's a big Niners thing. And for those that don't realize this, we're, we started recording like 1230 Eastern on Tuesday. So if this doesn't if it doesn't happen, so be it. But we're going to operate like it already is a done deal. Um, there hopefully will be more moves that we'll react to tomorrow. I mean, the, the NFL trade deadline now is a thing, and it's a lot of fun. I love it. Yes. Um, I like this fit. I thought the Vikings might be after Emmanuel Sanders. Kubiak connection, Thielen getting hurt. They've been searching for a number three forever. Uh, he's been linked to the Patriots. I absolutely think that the Sanu thing that you were talking about influenced New England having to give up that late second to, to get him. I mean, there was obviously more teams in that bidding. Um, Sanders to the Niners. I assume, I guess he's their number one. He's immediately their best receiver today. I still have a lot of hope for Pettis and Samuel though. I mean, he seems like a little, not redundant, but he seems like a little bit more of just another piece and not the man, you know, I mean, not that, you know, you're going to get Calvin Johnson or something at the trade deadline, but right. if they were to got AJ green or, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's probably the best guy they could get. And I like Sanders a lot and he's playing quite well and he's going to help already a good offense, but I would have preferred a different style, a six, two big guy. Yep. No, I'm right there with you. And I definitely had AJ green as the target that I would have expected mm-hmm. to be the number one target over someone like Emmanuel Sanders, because like you said, the player you're hoping Pettis and Debo become is kind of what Sanders already is. But it's obviously Kyle Shanahan has a type, and I think Emmanuel Sanders definitely fits that type. And obviously Sanders has a higher peak in his career than someone like Mohamed Sanu did, but he's a little older, 32. He had a pretty nasty injury that he miraculously came back from, actually, with that Achilles injury, which is super surprising that he's even playing as well as he is so quickly this year for Denver and, and hasn't missed a game. 32 years old, and he's on the last year of his contract, whereas Sanu is signed through 2021. So I'm wondering what the compensation would be for someone like 
uh, Emmanuel Sanders. But I'm with you a little bit more of the same of what the 49ers already have. I would have thought A.J. Green and who knows what the Bengals are doing at that with that weird front office, if they're selling or not, or, you know, if they have an astronomical asking price for someone who could be a rental there in A.J. Green, too, because he's also in the last year of his contract and might just walk and maybe you get a comp pick and that's it for him. So the Bengals would it would seem on the surface that it would make sense if they traded someone like A.J. Green. And A.J. Green is definitely much different and has a higher ceiling than what the 49ers have. But uh, maybe Emmanuel Sanders is the best the 49ers can do. So my question would be someone who's maybe a little bit better, but a little bit older than Mohamed Sanu and not signed through next year. Still looking at a second round pick. What do you think? A third round pick? What's too much to spend for someone like Emmanuel Sanders? It's funny because... I don't think he's, I don't know. I mean, his age, his injury history, I'm thinking like a four. Right. No, see, that makes sense. And I wonder if they would do it for a four, but that's what I would be offering. And I think you could. I would if I was Denver. It's weird that they, it's weird that Denver, and maybe it's just like, because we saw it, we heard it with, uh, with Jalen Ramsey and we've heard it in the past with a ton of guys that you're talking that might be traded. You ask the team that holds the player and they say, Oh, we're definitely not trading this player. And that's what they say publicly, but you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Vic Fangio last week was like, no, we haven't even had any discussions about potentially trading guys like that. And I'm thinking, well, that's insane at this point in the season with the record that you guys have, that you haven't had those discussions. So I think maybe a little BS there or who knows, maybe they really don't want to trade any of their guys in Denver. I don't know. Maybe they don't. I mean, I I don't want to get in Elway's head, but they are going nowhere fast. I would be trading Harris. I mean, I don't know that I'd trade be, be trading Von Miller, but I'd be listening to offers right. for all my veterans and anybody whose contract is set to expire. Yeah, especially those guys that are on their way out. And I think we yeah. might see more of those, you know, rental type baseball type trades coming up in the NFL, which makes a lot of sense for both teams. And if you're the Bengals and AJ Green and some other players that the Bengals have, I, I, I'd feel the same way. You got to start selling some of those pieces and it'll make you better later, especially if these guys are going to walk. Yeah, I, I think so too. And then, so hopefully there's more deals, but we had another one with the Raiders and Texans too. Huh? I mean, it's been a fun couple days here. Yeah, that's right. The Texans sent a third round pick to the Oakland Raiders for cornerback Gary on Conley. And I like this deal. The Texans are all in. They're like, look, I don't care about draft picks. We're trying to win football games right now. Yeah. And I think the Raiders, despite having a decent record, know who they are. You know, that well, we want right. picks. We want Mayock wants all the picks he can get to, to build this team and, you know, the, the way that he wants. And of course, Gruden has a massive say in all that. Um, Conley's been rumored to bend on the block for, you know, but going back to the summer. And, right. I'm not exactly sure why, because I still think he's really good. I think he's a very talented. I mean, if you remember, him and Lattimore came out of Ohio State the same year. They both were first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Some people like Conley even better, but he had some arrest things lingering. I forget exactly what his situation was, but there was off-the-field worries that didn't end up um, hurting the Raiders or hurting him. But he's really come into his own. I think he is a great addition for the Texans. And like you said, I mean – Hey, you want to you want some of our draft picks? Give us players. We'll just keep adding dudes. I mean, think about who they've added. They've added Hyde, Duke, Stills, Tunsil, Gary and Conley. You know, like those are good football players, right? Yeah, and with Conley, a, a third round pick, so it's not like you're giving up a first round or anything, which they already gave up, so they couldn't have. But uh, you're getting a guy who can cover, who's young, who's still on his rookie contract, so you're going to get him for a while. Uh, I like the move. I like the move for both teams, and I, I think it's pretty telling that. 
sort of the opposite of what we had talked about with Denver and with Cincinnati about teams that are obviously should be selling. And it's like, what are you doing not selling? With the Raiders, they have every reason to be like, oh, no, we're good now. Let's play this thing out. But maybe a little self-scouting there, Oakland realizing, okay, yeah, let's, you know, that's okay. Let's let's trade some more pieces. Let's collect some picks and let's build this thing for the long term. Because if you are John Gruden, you're only in year two of your 10-year contract. They might be good around year <laughs> eight or nine, right? You would think. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> such a strange situation there, though. I mean, uh, they have all these early picks joining the team, but they also have this win now kind of mode to them. And uh, I think he's coaching up the team reasonably well. I mean, they're getting a lot out of Josh Jacobs. Their receiving core is bad. Their defense is bad. And they're still winning games and are in games. So I give the Raiders credit. Um, I still don't understand why them and Conley didn't get along or that was a bad fit because I would keep a young corner. But uh, this one's been rumored for a while. So there must be some fire to the smoke we're out of time here today and we might have more brand new fresh trades to break down tomorrow we do have a special guest lined up for tomorrow's program to talk about some of these trades that have gone down but uh, matt i know we've talked about some trades we'd like to see for some teams let's project some trades that haven't happened yet on tomorrow's show as well right here locked on nfl